So I'm supposed to be coming up with a theme for the month, um, but I haven't gotten there yet. We're like basically at the end of the month, and so we'll probably end up giving you guys a concrete theme for the month of February, um, and hopefully it'll all flow for the rest of the year. Um, but today I wanted to talk about uh, closeness to the Father. I wanted to talk about um, our relationship with God, but more so just like the importance of staying really, really close to God, right? So obviously God is not physically here, right? He's not a human being that we can say, okay, like I'm in very close proximity with the Lord. But in a spiritual sense, right, that is what I want to encourage us to do this morning or this afternoon because the world, as a lot of you know, is heading in a direction that wants to separate people as far away from God, right? Wants to push people away from the things of the Lord, away from holiness and righteousness and the things that we should be doing as believers and as people, quite frankly. And we don't want to submit to that. We don't want to co-sign or subscribe to what the world wants us to do or the agenda that the world is trying to put on us. We want to make sure that we're constantly reminded through coming to church, through fellowshipping with one another, and through our word and just reading the scripture and understanding how we can maintain our closeness to God, okay? So... What I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about, I guess in a, in a very relevant sense, like, like what it means to be close to God and why I feel like it's a problem, especially amongst the youth today. Um, I just said earlier that the world is slowly and surely drifting further and further away from God. And I think as Christians, like there's nothing intentional right usually it's not intentional when we don't read our bible or when we don't pray or when we don't necessarily do the things of god it's not intentional it's not like we're making the decision and saying okay you know what i don't want anything to do with god i want to stay away from god so i'm not going to read my bible i'm not going to pray i'm not going to do the things of god but when we don't do these things right what happens almost on a subconscious level, is we do slowly drift away from God. We slowly drift apart from God. And so although we have the title as being a believer or as being a Christian, although we come to church, although people may see us and recognize us as Christians, when you look and reflect in your life and in your heart, like you really realize that you're not really as much of a Christian as the Bible instructs us to be, right? In terms of the way you live your life, in terms of the things you do, and more especially in terms of your closeness with God. That is essentially what separates us from the unbeliever, right? Because a lot of times the unbeliever has a at least an idea of who God is. Sometimes it's like they at least know of God's existence, right? They know even sometimes the things of God, and they're very adamant about doing the opposite, right? But they don't have a relationship with God. They don't have a desire to know God or to walk with God. 
They don't, they just want to do their own thing. They want to live however they want, but we are instructed to do otherwise. And so I want to walk us through how we can do that. Now, before I do that, um, I, I want to be very clear that everything that's happening in the world today, the whole idea about people drifting away from God and being separated from God, like none of that is random. None of that is arbitrary. All of it is in accordance to scripture and it ultimately does fulfill prophecy. And it's, it's the, the New Testament and not even the New Testament, all throughout the Bible that basically allude to the fact that you know, especially in these last days, people are going to, you know, really wander away from God. People are not going to want to have anything to do with God. People are just going to want to live in their flesh. They're going to want to um, live in what society considers normal. They're going to want to just go along with culture. They're not going to want to rock the boat or create any issues with friends or family. They're just going to want to live in peace and harmony and not cause any discord. And to some extent, that's fine. But when we get to the place and the point where we don't have that desire or we don't have that zeal or like we just have no yearning to get to know God or to be in closeness with God, then at that point, you have to ask yourself, then what's the point of heaven like what's the point of all of this that we're doing right well, like what is what is the point of living right if we don't even want to know god or we don't want to walk with god right i'm going to give you an example today of a very prominent popular um special i think character in the bible who not only walked with god but i think he illustrates what it means to be a flawed person but still have that desire and still have the, the passion to serve God and to know God. And so many of you may know of the story of David. Um, he is, he was, I think he was the youngest of eight. He was the son of Jesse. And he is mostly known for the story of David and Goliath, right, where he used a slingshot to essentially kill Goliath. And he went on to become a great uh, military leader and a king. But the Bible makes it clear that David also had a lot of flaws. Like David was not um, by any means the quintessential or perfect human at all. He was a very broken man in a lot of different ways. Um, he had a lot of issues and he committed a lot of sins, quite frankly. And the Bible shows us, you know, the Bible gives us an illustration of his life, but yet still refers to him on two occasions in the book of First and Second Samuel as a man after God's own heart. And when you read the book of Psalms, which was mostly written by David, you can really sort of understand why David is referred to as a man after God's own heart. So what I want us to do is I want us to read just a couple of those Psalms and just kind of break them down and then see how we can apply it to our lives. So if we would please turn our Bibles to Psalm chapter 51. It's a very um, popular song. And then, you know, if I could just have somebody with a mic read that for us, it's going to be Psalm chapter 51. If you're there, say amen. 
Do we have any extra mics? Okay. And do we have any volunteers to read Psalm chapter 51 for us? Let's do two people. Let's do someone for Psalm 51, verse 1 to 10, and then we'll do somebody else. We'll do a guy and a girl. Um, Psalm 51, verse 11 to 19. Do I have any volunteers? Thank you. Uh, is it on? Sorry. Psalm chapter 51, verses 1 to 10. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unloving, unfailing love. According to your great passion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with high soap, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Amen. Amen. Can I have a guy read 11 to 19? Anybody? Thank you. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You are, you who are God, my Savior, and tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I will burn it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart, you, God, will not despise. May it please may it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings offered whole, then burns, then bulls will be offered on your altar. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you too for reading that. I want you guys to ask yourself, like, this is a rhetorical question. Think about it. Like, when was the last time you said a prayer like that? Like what we just read. And if it helps, you know, go back and kind of skim through that passage, Psalm chapter 51, and, and listen to and, and hear just the, the, the passion in his words that David uses as he's saying this prayer to God. When was the last time that we said a prayer like this and meant it wholeheartedly to the Father? Just take a look at it and just and just think to yourself. And and keep in mind the context here. David 
had murdered a man. He murdered Uriah because he was trying to cover up for the fact that he slept with his wife, Bathsheba, okay? And David, I mean, in the midst of all this, David is still king. So David has access to all kinds of resources. He's at the top of the top. And yet still, in this space, he comes to God very humbly, recognizes his wrong, recognizes his sin and his shortcomings, and he just pours out his heart and his soul to God. And this is the essence of what David was, a man after God's own heart. And he had such a closeness to the Father, not that, not in that he was perfect or that he was sinless or that he was blameless, but in that he loved God. He truly loved God and he loved the things of God. And although he was human and he was flawed and he was broken and he made a lot of mistakes and he made a lot of bad decisions, he recognized that. And instead of fleeing away from God and completely ignoring his sin and continuing on to live his life of of lavishness, I'm sure as king, he humbled himself, he brought himself down, and he really pleaded to God to not only forgive him, but to give him a desire to continue to seek him and continue to pursue him and continue to love him. And then at one point it even says, like, if you do all these things for me, God, then I'm going to go out and I'm going to help all the rebels come to you and I'm going to teach them how to love you and I'm going to teach them how to also become one with you, to become close with you. Because David recognizes and sees how vital how important it is to be close to God, right? I know that, especially in this day and age, there doesn't really seem to be much of a benefit, right, to being close to God. It's a small group of people in comparison to the vast majority of the world population that's just doing whatever they want, right? They look like they're having a lot of fun because they can say what they want, they can do what they want, they can dress how they want. But if you really think about it, and and for some of you, you have to kind of go into the Bible and really understand the laws that God has given us, the instructions that God has given man, you'll, you'll, you'll understand that a lot of these things that we are instructed to do in terms of how we live and how we operate as people is set there to protect us, right? God is not this tyrant who wants to see us bored and wants to see us not have fun and wants to see us unfulfilled. Like that, that is not God's nature. God loves us more than anyone or anything, right? He is the source of every type of fulfillment we could ever have. And so when the world tries to tell you that you can find that appeal and fulfillment in drugs or alcohol or sex or in gang banging or in sleeping around or in doing all these things, like you'll do it and you'll realize very quickly that there is no satisfaction that comes in that right? That is why the same people who do those very same things are probably the most broken people in this world. They find themselves suicidal. They live in depression. They're trying to figure out what to do with their life. They just, they're so lost and aimless, right? And that is not what God has called for us, right? Why would God want us to live a life where we're just wandering, not knowing what to do, not knowing our impact or our value in this world? Why would God want that for us, right? God operates sort of like the GPS 
in our life that helps us to establish where we are and where we're going, right? He is the only one that can take us to that destination. And in a lot of different ways, heaven is our destination, but, but, but that doesn't mean that we neglect or we ignore this whole journey that we call life or what this process is meant to do for us, what this journey is meant to prepare us for, right? Life is supposed to be so beautiful and so meaningful and heartfelt, right? And God doesn't want our lives to be filled with sin and things that continue to destroy us and break us down and things that give the devil access to us. God doesn't want that for us. God wants us to thrive. He wants us to be successful. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be blessed, right? And that doesn't mean that we're not going to experience setbacks. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have hardship or problems or issues come up in our lives. It just means that in the midst of all of that, we are close to God. We have a oneness with God that carries us through those difficulties. It carries us through those pain. And as you're doing that, you realize that you become a light, a very avid light to the people around you. Because a lot of people don't talk about the things that they go through when they go home and they're at, you know, by themselves. A lot of people don't talk about the things that keep them broken. Maybe some habits that they have that they'd like to get rid of or things that they're engaged in that they feel that they're stuck in, right? A lot of people will not tell you about that. And for some people, you may be the closest thing to the Father. You may be the closest thing to Christ that they ever, ever see. And so our responsibility as believers to be close to God is not only to edify our own lives and make sure that our lives, that the quality and the sanctity of our lives are pure, but it's also so that we can be a blessing to our neighbors, the people around us who need that hope, who need to see that, look, if God could do it for this person, if God continues to do it for this person, maybe God can do it for me. And then what happens when the person comes to you and they ask for prayer or they say, hey, like, can, can you help me figure out how to do this, this Christian walk? What are you going to tell them based on how you live your life, how you do the Christian walk? Like, what is your response going to be for them? Right. And, and what if, again, in that time and in that space and in that moment, you are the closest thing to hope that they have? Right. That is our instruction as believers. And I think that if we take this, this, this idea of being close to God more seriously, if we really make it like one of the, the foundations of our pursuits, then the quality of our life will improve significantly, right? So how do we then become close to God? I think a lot of us already know the answer to that. Like, you know, I don't have to stand here and quote scripture and give you a list and tell you how to become close to God. We tell you every Sunday, like Patricia and Kevin, everybody speaks on it every Sunday, how to become close to God. The question is, is it something that you want for yourself? Is it something that you want for your life? Is it something that you're going to take seriously and take the necessary steps to do, right? Prayer is vital, right? And prayer can look however it needs to look for you, right? And that's, that's one thing that I really want to make sure you guys understand is that there is no 
right way to be close to God, right? There, or, or, let me say that again. There is no wrong way, rather, in terms of how to be close to God because it looks different for everybody. Some people may have to come to church several times a week in order to feel like they're close to God. Some people, all they need is 20 minutes in the morning, maybe 20 minutes before they, got, you know, they uh, go to bed in order to be close to God. Some people, they keep a little like mini Bible with them or they have a Bible app with them. And throughout the entire day, they're going through and reading daily reminders. Some people have a devotional book that they reference or that they go through every week to make sure that they're staying close to God. And some people talk to God throughout the course of the day. Some people, when they're out in the grocery store, they'll look at somebody and they'll say a quick prayer internally. Like it looks different for everybody. There is no wrong way to do it. And the only real blueprint that we have is Jesus Christ. When he came down here and he walked the earth, like he, he, he basically lived the life that we should have lived, right? So the example that he set is what we need to look at and reference in terms of how we can become close to God. We see that Jesus prayed, Jesus fasted, and most importantly, Jesus loved people right? Jesus cared for people. He went out and he preached to people and he healed people and he loved people. All of these things, when we do together, it increases the body of Christ and it blesses the body of Christ. And you feel edified in your own life because in the midst of everything that's going on in the world, you have a certain peace that the world doesn't have. You know that I am close with God. God is in me. He lives in me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. So everything and anything that's going on around me doesn't affect me. It may sort of in a literal sense, right? But in a spiritual sense, it doesn't affect you. And let me tell you that the enemy is like set, set and set on essentially separating us from Christ, especially if he can do it when we're really young. Again, none of us are intentionally like, okay, God, I'm done with you. I'm walking away. It doesn't usually happen like that. Usually it's just a couple things that we do like regularly that slowly drift us away from God. And the further we get away from God, the more access we give the enemy into our lives. Because God is like He's like our spiritual immune system, right? He's like the white blood cells in our body that fight and attack um, the, the diseases and the things that may come into our lives spiritually. So if we don't have that strong immune system or support set up, then naturally what happens is we make ourselves susceptible to every and anything that the enemy tries to throw at us. And he does it in the form of distractions, especially to young people today. And the more that we feed into that, and the less that we feed into God, you'll see that the quality of your life, essentially, and the way that you live your life, the way that you think, the way that you operate, where the current status of your life, you will see that it's just not where you ought to be. It's not where you believe that God has called you to be. And you feel stuck. You feel broken, right? But what I do want to encourage you is even if you've already gotten to that point or you're, you're currently at that point, you can open your Bible to Psalm chapter 51 
and you can say this same prayer to God because we serve a, a really, really merciful God, a God who loves us more than we could ever fathom. And when we find ourselves in that place of brokenness where we've essentially hit rock bottom and we, we've pretty much tried everything in the world and the world has not been able to offer us what we're looking for, God is there and his arms are open wide and he's waiting for you to come to him. And not only does he want you to come to him, he wants you to stay there in his presence, constantly glorifying him, constantly being obedient to his will so that then he can use you to advance the kingdom, so that he can use you to bless the people around you. If God can't use us, then he's still going to have his way. Okay? I don't want it to be as if that God needs us in order to fulfill his promises. But the idea is by being close to God, by walking with God, by being men and women after God's own heart, our lives, our lives are better, right? Our lives have a meaning and a fulfillment to it that the world will never understand. It's not something you can pay for. You can't go to Hollywood and find the same meaning and fulfillment that you get when you are a child of God and when you walk with God. So I want to encourage you guys this morning to let that be sort of on the forefront of your heart. One of the saddest things to me is the people that I've known or the people that I've grown up with here in this very church who have walked with God, who have known God, and then have stepped out in the world and have also sort of walked with the enemy or danced and played with the enemy, rather, I would say. And they weren't consistent with reading their Bible or they weren't consistent with prayer. They weren't consistent with even coming to church. They weren't consistent with remaining close to God. And so what happened? Eventually, they just said, eh, maybe this Christian thing isn't for me after all. Two people that I know personally who've completely walked away from the faith. And it's a little bit troubling because again, we all started at the same place, this very same thing. We were sitting in the same position as you guys. And what I don't want to happen is for you to turn out like them. Because quite frankly, I don't really know what their lives look like now. I don't really know what they're doing, whether they're happy. But I do know that they've missed out on something really, really special, something really, really important and that's just walking with God. There are so many benefits that come to that, and what I don't want to happen is that you guys go out into the world, you let your friends influence you, you let culture and society influence you, and then lo and behold, you stop coming to church, and then lo and behold, you're not really a Christian anymore, right? It's probably one of the most dangerous things that can happen. So let's just turn our Bibles to three uh, three scriptures, and I'm going to wrap it up there to just kind of sum up remaining close to God, why it's important, um, so that we can leave this place with information and, and tools, hopefully, to be able to stay consistent in that. So the first scripture is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, and I'll have three different people here since there's three scriptures. Hebrews 10, 22 for one person. And then somebody else turned to John 15, verse 4. And then last person, James chapter 4, verse 8.
and we'll just wrap up with those three scriptures. Okay, is anybody at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, like to read for us, please? So what should I start? Um, verse 22, please. Okay. The law judge good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated and endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all, and will no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but a body you prepare for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you are not pleased. Amen. Thank you so much. I'm going to read my version. And then in the meantime, if somebody could turn to John chapter 15 verses 4. I'm going to read my versions on Hebrews 10:22. So, my Bible says, "Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water." So, just encouraging us to go to God as sincerely and as wholesomely as possible. Uh, John chapter 15, verse 4. Is anybody there that can read for us? And then I'll have you read um, James 4. John, John chapter 15, verse 4. Mm-hmm. About as the branch can itself. Amen. Amen. Okay. I'll read that um, with my version as well. I think um, the mic was a little off, but um, John chapter 15, verse 4, my version says, Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Encouraging us to stay connected to God. The last one is James chapter 4, verse 8. James chapter 4, verse 8. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, um, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. Amen. The Bible is making it very clear. Like God, God is open to us. God is completely open to us, and he wants us to come to him. If only we could be sincere when we do go to him, if we could be sincere in our decision to walk in righteousness and to stay close to him, to stay in his presence. It's one of the most, it's no, it's the most beautiful place to be because you know that you are covered. There's a certain, there's a certain level of protection and covering that you know that you have and it sustains you even through some of the hardest times of your lives. When trouble and trials come, your closeness to God will remind you that there is purpose even in that pain. So I want you guys to be encouraged and I want you guys 
to create like small groups with your friends, whatever you need to do to keep each other accountable and to keep each other in a space and a place where you know, okay, I am a woman or a man after God's own heart. Let's pray. Just think about the message that came today. Very short and brief message. <clears throat> no, <clears throat> excuse me, no overarching theme for the month. But I do want this message to carry with you this entire year. I want you to think about some of the things maybe that you need to do in order to start feeling closer to God or being closer to God. And it's going to be different for everybody. So, so what do you need to do to put God first in a very sincere way so that you can become closer to God? And then maybe think about some of the things that you need to stop doing, the things that ultimately separate us from God, because God cannot be close to sin. He cannot operate or coexist where... Um, sin does. So we want to make sure that we are also sort of figuring out the areas in our lives where we fall short of the glory of God so that God can help us to improve those areas which will also help us to become closer to him. And then just say a little prayer to yourself and just ask God to help you. Like for those of you who are sincere, don't pray the prayer if you're not sincere, if you're gonna go out here and go out and do the same thing that you did before you came here. Only the people who are sincere about it, the people who truly wanna to get to know God, the people who truly want God to come into their hearts and really transform them. Like ask God to help you to remain that consistency with him so that you remain close to him. Father, we thank you so much for being the incredible God that you are. We thank you, Abba, for loving us and for caring for us. We thank you for your patience with us, oh God, even when we fall short. Lord, you are always there like the prodigal father with your arms open wide, Lord, ready to receive us. I pray, Father God, that the message that came today, Lord, will remain in us, oh Lord. Help us to have a constant desire and a passion and a yearning to know you, to walk with you, to have you live in us and operate in us, oh God. Help us, oh Lord, to live a holy life, oh Lord, a life that is pleasing to you in everything that we do so that we can continue to stay close to you even when life's challenges hit us, oh God, or discourage us. We pray that you encourage us and help us, oh Lord to just remain in you in everything that we do, in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. Father God, help us to be a light and a blessing to the people around us so that when they see us, oh God, they are encouraged to do the same. We thank you again. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.